This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. I think this is the third time I've tried recording this intro. I feel like I say the same thing every Monday where I'm like, I'm so excited. But I am so excited about all of the awesome authors I get to talk about and share with all of you. So forgive me for saying I'm so excited every Monday. This one in particular, and again, I say this all the time. So you know what? I feel like you can't even trust me anymore. (laughs) Um, But today's interview is with Olivia Dade, romance author extraordinaire, to talk about her new book, All the Feels. If you've listened to this podcast for at least a year, you've heard me talk about Olivia's book, Spoiler Alert. It was one of my favorite books of 2020. Um, And she is back with a sequel, which is All the Feels. This time it is about Alex, who was sort of a side character in Spoiler Alert, and his sort of... um, She's not really a babysitter. That's not quite the right word. But she's sort of his wrangler. Alex and his wrangler, Lauren. Um, The book is amazing. (laughs) Um, I will say, I will say, if you are at all familiar with (laughs) um, Olivia Dade's books, in particular, spoiler alert, and the character of Alex, uh, there is some not safe for work language or not safe for children, I should say. Um, we get in, we get, there's a particular question that when it comes to Alex and what he enjoys, uh, that, that I ask. So just as a fair warning, um, for those of you who are not familiar with spoiler alert and Alex and all the feels, enjoy. It'll be a surprise for all of you. So, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to stop talking so you can listen to this episode because it was a delight to talk to Olivia. I've been a fan of hers for so long. I am so happy. I, this is like the part of my job and I'm doing this podcast where I just, I'm like, how do I get this lucky where I get to talk to amazing authors like this that I absolutely adore. So yeah. Okay. So if you want to get a hold of the podcast, our website is professionalbooknerds.com. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. And you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Um, I think that's all I got for right now. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Olivia Dade on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am delighted to be here. So can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to All the Feels? So All the Feels uh, features characters who were in the background of Spoiler Alert, if you have read Spoiler Alert. Um, the male main character of Spoiler Alert is an actor on a big blockbuster fantasy show a la Game of Thrones 
and he was Marcus, and his best friend is the male main character of this book, Alex. And Alex was not a character that I had planned out ahead of time, but he sort of emerged fully formed on the page. When I began writing him, he's um, loud <laughs> and enthusiastic and like incredibly loyal and impulsive, um, maybe a little self-defeating and um, and and annoying and 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 proudly annoying. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time, uh, he's a big personality, um, and that has gotten a lot of aspects of that have gotten him into trouble over the years. And in this case specifically, he ended up in a bar fight when they were shooting in Spain the final episodes of the, the entire series, the series finale. And until the last season comes out, the producers want to keep him out of trouble. Uh, so they assign him a minder, which is something that does happen. I know Robert Downey Jr. Uh, mm. was assigned a minder at least twice that I know of, and he married his yeah. minder. Um, so it, it does happen. And so he is assigned the cousin of the showrunner, sort of abhorrent showrunner. And her name is, the cousin's name is Lauren Clegg, who is an ER, uh, ER psychologist, a therapist who is basically burnt out and needs a break. And this is a chance for her sort of to extend her time off um, doing something completely different from what she's doing. And it doesn't seem like it should be that hard to keep this random Hollywood guy uh, <laughs> sort of from getting himself into trouble. Uh, and it turns out it's a little harder than she anticipates, especially when um, she begins to care about him in ways she did not anticipate caring about him. Yeah. I love this idea that he just sort of like came to be in one big go and you didn't really have to plan him. Like it just all sort of fit. <laughs> I, I mean, I've said this before, but he was not intended to be, they were not intended to be the uh, main characters for the second book in this universe. I, in my contract with Avon, I had a different couple. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> yeah. And in fact, there's a third, they're my third book, which I finished writing about a month or so ago. Um, they're the third book in the series, but um, the, you know how, and I've, again, I've said this before, but you know how authors, when they want you to read the next book in the series, they will seed in scenes with the future main characters so that you'll be intrigued by them and want to buy the book. It's called sequel baiting. I sequel baited myself, Jill. Because <laughs> I was like, no, now that I've written this, I really want to write their story. <laughs> that, that is hilarious. And yeah, I, I, and I love that when, when authors do that. Um, yeah, they sort of, they start to plant those seeds of, of future couples and books. I love that your characters were like, you know what? I know you have a plan, but we'd rather you do our story. Right. I was just fortunate that my editor, because, you know, I had to have this really awkward conversation with her where I was like, yeah. I know that I'm contracted to write this other couple, but maybe it might be okay if I wrote uh, Alex and Lauren next. And the good news is she's like, really? You were contracted to write someone else? And I was like, I'm glad you don't remember that. <laughs> so she was, she was happy with it. She said, no, that's fine. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, you know, yeah, I love, I love Alex and Lauren. Their, their banter is so good. And just, you know, it's a, it's a slow burn as well as a romance, Mm -hmm. which I also like, you sort of get to watch both of them. Um, Lauren in particular kind of be like, oh, this could be a thing, which is really fun to watch and read about. Um, I think it was Meryl Wilsner who said uh, it, one of their favorite tropes is idiots in love. <laughs> that is what this is. Yes, that is accurate. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it is a slow burn. In fact, that was the original title for the book was slow burn. But there were a, a significant number of books that also had that title. And all the feels I felt like worked as well. Um, but yeah, this had to be a slow burn in part because of the position that they're in. Lauren mm-hmm. is not working for Alex, but her job involves him. And he is someone who, for all of his annoyingness, like is tries to be very careful about power dynamics. particularly when he's talking to women who might be in a vulnerable position Mm -hmm. Um, and so he does not want to take advantage of that make her uncomfortable in that way he'll be gladly make her uncomfortable in a variety of other ways (laughs) (laughs) but not in in any sort of way that she could ever think that he was harassing her in any way you know sexually harassing her yeah so yes it had to be kind of a slow burn because they're tied together professionally for a good chunk of the book. But then when they're not, all bets are off. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they sure are. They sure are. Uh, and we will, I'll, I'll get to part of that later. So anyway, um, one thing I love about your books, and there, there's a lot to love, but one thing is that you um, have fat women finding love without needing to lose weight in order to do so. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the importance of body diversity as represented in your books. I think that one thing that I believe very strongly is that words are powerful and that stories are extremely powerful and if you read romances, enough romances, and I'm a lifelong romance reader, so I've read tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's what I've read basically my entire life. Um, If you read them as an aggregate, you can get a sense of who your society believes deserves a happy ending Mm. and who your society believes is um, worthy of love uh, who can be desired, who can find love, who can be loved, and, and again, who can have a happy ending. So as I was growing up, I found vanishingly few romances that had uh, fat main characters. The few times that they did, um, they were always uh, female main characters, basically no male main characters. And actually my, my third book for in this series, both main characters are fat um, because that's also important to me. Mm-hmm. But um, so, you know, I was growing up, I was a fat kid who grew up to be a fat woman. And I was looking for myself on the page in part for reassurance that I was lovable and that I could find a happy ending and find someone who loved and desired me the way I was. And it wasn't something that I found 
often and I was hungry for it. And I remained hungry for it through adulthood. Now with the rise of self-publishing, um, a variety of marginalized groups, because it wasn't just fat people who weren't on the page. If you were not white, cishet, abled Christian, yeah. basically you were not on the page in, in these romances. Again, which is an implicit statement. I mean, with exceptions, but not that many exceptions. So again, implicit statements being made about who, who gets a happy ending. With self-publishing, a variety of marginalized groups sort of kicked open the doors and started writing stories about the way that they lived, the way that they loved, and who they were, and putting that on the page. And that included, of course, um, fat, you know, fat representation for, you know, there's series, you know, self-published series that have a fat rep now. Some, I would say, better than others, but, but it's, it's actually available, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's the, the beauty of it is, is, is that, yeah, there's still like maybe not great fat rep out there, but there are choices now. And that's also true in traditional publishing um, to a certain extent. I think it's really getting better. And I hope that that's something that doesn't, it's not, I hope that's not a pendulum, yeah. you know? Um, so basically the importance of body diversity and fat rep for me is, uh, so that readers who needed that needed to see someone who looked like them mm-hmm. being valued and desired and loved that they have, I want to give them options for that, that I know, or I hope will not be harmful to them. Something that will allow them. I find that if you see someone who is like you being loved on the page, that it's easier to love yourself and see yourself as being lovable. And I want that for my readers. And even within uh, fatness, I'm very much a proponent of body diversity because Mm -hmm. often even within fat rep in romance, um, there's been one type of fat body for female main characters that has been prized sort of above all others. And that's sort of an hourglass figure, right? Yeah, bigger breasts, bigger hips, big butt, small waist, almost always small waist. Um, and so, part of my goal in the series too is to talk about different types of fat bodies, and to talk about um, like Lauren is someone who the the female main character of all the fields is someone who even if she were thin would not be considered conventionally beautiful, and that's important to me too. You don't have to be like a plus size model. Yeah, to be loved and fat. So April, and spoiler alert, is someone who probably would be conventionally pretty if she were thinner. And that's not the case for Lauren. And that was a deliberate choice on my part. And Lauren is shaped like an apple, right? You know, like mm-hmm. she just larger belly, small breasts, like, but that doesn't mean that someone can't love her and desire her. And so that's important to me, even within fat rep, to have different types of bodies. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and not just somebody desires her, but both spoiler alert and all the feels is we have male celebrities who love these women and, you know, you have that celebrity non-celeb romance trope and that, that not being considered conventionally attractive plays a lot into their storyline which I also appreciate reading like how the outside world views these pairings 
Right. One of the things that I try to do is that even if the premise of my, some of my books are more based in, like my book Teach Me is based, I think, a very much in the reality of sort of what could happen if you were a teacher, um, a high school teacher. Now, the premises of <laughs> Spoiler Word in all the fields have a little bit, they're, they're hookier, right? Because they're for <laughs> traditional publishers. Yeah. So like the concept, they're more high concept. Um, but one of my goals is to take whatever slightly banana pants premise I have <laughs> for these books, but then play it straight. Like if this were to happen, what, what would actually happen? What would yeah. be the response to this without, without making my readers feel it's hard because I really tried to tread, tread a fine line between being realistic about, um, what the problems would be if you were um, with a, you know, celebrity, you know, famously sort of handsome, sexy celebrity with someone who would not be considered conventionally beautiful, usually not the people that handsome, sexy celebrities show up with on the red carpet, you know, the people they show up with, but not belaboring it to the point where it feels like they would make readers feel terrible. Yeah. And that's sort of the line. And you can argue whether or not I, I hit that or not. But that was my goal is to sort of be realistic about it, but at the same time, not be harmful about it because I don't want readers to leave feeling icky about, about themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's the balance that I tried to hit successfully or not. Uh, well, personally, I think you were successful. I, you know, I feel like, you know, having also, you know, I also grew up fat child and I'm now a fat adult and um, you know, you grow up and you have these crushes on celebrities and you're just like, there's no possible way that that could ever, I mean, obviously I don't live in Hollywood. So like, it's not like they would meet me anyway, but, <laughs> um, there's just this idea that, yeah, like someone who looks like that could never possibly be attracted to me. And I think it's, you know, I like the, that your books, it does feel like it could be authentic if this were to happen. And, um, I, I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the end, like the very end of all the feels is just delightful in so many ways in, uh, like tackling this, this particular thing. And so, yes, I found it successful. Right. I mean, the thing with Lauren is that, I mean, I don't want self- I don't write self-loathing fat characters. Right. And Lauren does not loathe herself and Lauren does not hate her body. But Lauren has, and I don't think this is spoiling anything because um, I think it's pretty clear from the beginning. Lauren has learned to accept behavior toward herself mm. um, that perhaps is harmful to her. Um, she sort of learned to prioritize everyone above her own comfort and and her own self. And part of her, the joy of writing her relationship with Alex is watching him, first of all, be angry on her behalf, because I think that's very powerful to have someone who cares about you, maybe sometimes being angrier for you than you've ever been for yourself and for good reason. And I value that in my friends, actually. I've yeah. got some friends 
who hold some grudges on my behalf, they're angry in a way that lets me not be as angry because someone out there is angry for me. And I don't have to be as angry because someone's carrying that torch for me. And it's the people who love me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and he uses, he basically is trying to get her to, to be herself and to express herself and what she wants and what she cares about and what she does and doesn't like. And he does it in the most annoying way possible, but it's the only way to sort of get through sort of her reserve and sort of the shell that she's built around herself to protect herself and be sort of disengaged um, from the world because um, for a variety of reasons at her work and in her personal life, um, she's had to sort of protect herself. And he helps her uh, not have to do that as much anymore and try to tell her that she needs to value herself more. And again, it's not because she loathes her body. It's just, although her, the way the world treats you differs depending on what you look like. So part of the reason why she may not value her own, you know, what her needs and her comfort as much has to do with how she was treated in part because of the body that she is in. But it's not about hating her body. Um, It's about valuing herself in a lot of ways. So if that makes sense. It does. It does. Yes. Um, Yeah. And I'm somewhat amused that you have, I think, twice now called Alex annoying, which he is, but it's in like a very charming way. I (laughs) know. No, I love him. I I love him dearly. I mean, I could not wait to write his book because I find him hilarious. Um, And he, you know, he has ADHD. So he's, he's very like Quicksilver sort of in his thoughts and in his um, sort of, you know, changes subjects, but extremely intelligent, very funny. Uh, And I loved writing his dialogue and I loved writing his internal thoughts because I do think he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And when he pokes at people, he usually has a reason for poking at people. They may not want him to do it. But, <laughs> you know, like when Marcus is broken up with April and, and basically, um, you know, Alex's goal is for his best friend not to be allowed to wild, wallow in yeah. misery. So he just basically keeps him. <laughs> he won't shut up. <laughs> His friend has no time and mental space to think about his romantic misery. Uh, so <laughs> uh, he's a, Alex is a good man with a huge heart um, who just is a hundred percent himself. And I love him for that. Uh, agreed. Yeah. He's that kind of guy you want in your corner. Um, now, when it comes to Alex being himself and knowing what he wants, I feel like for those who are familiar with spoiler alert, um, I feel like I do have to address the strap on in the room, which is the pegging. Now I know it is not included. I'm sorry. I have to, I know it's not included in the actual book. It's a, you know, it's a slow burn. Lauren would not get that quickly, but I, I'm wondering if you can talk a bit about how this whole thing just like came to be this big thing that it is. Because it's kind of amusing to like watch and read. It's just, it's this whole thing. <laughs> okay, so I came at spoiler alert from the perspective of someone who is in 
the Jamie Lannister Brienne of Tarth fandom from Game of Thrones. And there is a significant like section of that fandom on Archive of Our Own that is convinced that Jamie Lannister is a bottom. <laughs> that, he is, <laughs> that, he, that he would prefer to be like, and, and I think there's, a, there's also another section that does not believe that, but there is sure. a significant section. And there seemed to be a certain amount of hunger within the community to like see Jamie Lannister get pegged. So I was coming into this and uh, sort of, I was amused by this. Yeah, no, <laughs> and, it, yes. And, and so it occurred to me, like, if Alex were reading fan fiction about his character, because he's totally a person who would like, uh, he would want to read <laughs> this fan fiction, he would Absolutely. find it incredibly entertaining. Um, and then he read just story after story where he gets, he gets buried. <laughs> at some point he'd be like, so <laughs> first of all, <laughs> why, why does everyone think I'm a bottom? And like, and, and as it turns out, everyone's like, oh yeah, there are reasons <laughs> for this show. And then, you know, he, he finds out that these stories where he gets pegged are, um, especially popular on AO3. So he's like, well, if I'm going to write fan fiction about my own character, I want the kudos. Like, I want yeah. the kudos and So there will definitely be pegging. Um, and it was only meant to be sort of a um, a running, sort of a running joke, just like, you know, just like Ian with his tuna consumption. It was meant to be sort of a running joke. And then, <laughs> and then all the feels originally called Slow Burn came out on Goodreads. Um, and, you know, it, it started listening. And, like, suddenly, <laughs> there are the, the top comments immediately were, this story is about Alex. It better involve pegging. <laughs> were, like, the top comments. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I did not actually realize that that would happen. Because for me, it was sort of, like, just a running, yeah, you know. Um, and, and, and yeah, like it had like a hundred some odd likes on the comment, like the top comments were all about pegging. And that was the point where I wrote my editor and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I, feel like, I feel like we might need to have pegging in this book. And she's like, oh, that's so funny. And then I was, I was like, no, no, really. I, 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 I think that she's like, no, it's fine. And then one of her besties read spoiler alert and apparently her main comment after reading spoiler alert was is Alex gonna get pegged oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and then my editor was like I think we need to do something about the pegging oh. <laughs> so, and, and but the problem was is the story that we had plotted out was a slow burn I mean yeah. the only I mean without trying to do spoiler alert that the sexual contact the sexual scenes with them within them are within 48 hours like and and lauren alex would have been cool with it but lauren's not going to go from zero to pegging in 48 yeah. hours i mean she would want to make sure that there's a lot of things she, it's just not who she is and the book was already insanely long when i wrote it i turned in a, my first draft I, I should tell you, like, my books are all around 100,000 words. The spoiler alert and all the feels and the follow-up. My draft was 133,000 words. So That's... I already knew, <laughs> like, it was, I was, I've never gone long like that before. I blame the pandemic. But I knew I was already going to have to cut, like, a quarter of the book. So there was no room for me 
because I thought, well, maybe in the epilogue, but there's, yeah. I was already cutting, I was already cutting basically like a quarter of the book. I did not have another, you know, 3,000 words to cut so I could write a pegging scene. So then, um, so it didn't get in there, but, but then people, <laughs> I knew people were going to be upset and they were. And, but I always wanted to write the pegging scene. So from the very beginning, before this book ever showed up on people's, you know, arcs ever showed up on people's e-readers, um, we had planned to make the, the pegging scene a bonus, a pre-order bonus. Um, and I, bless him. I mean, I, <laughs> and Avon, I mean, bless him for not blinking. I, you, it was a very entertaining to me, marketing and publicity call. Elle knew, my editor, yeah. My marketing and publicity people did not know until several uh-huh. months ago that I was like, so <laughs> my pre-order bonus, you know, how about I write a pegging scene? <laughs> There's just a couple seconds of silence. And I was like, okay. <laughs> there. Uh, and but they did not, they did not uh, you know, they did not resist that at all. I mean, they don't refer to it as a pegging scene. They just refer to it as an exclusive bonus scene. (laughs) But it's fine. For them, I'm referring to him. On their behalf, I refer to it as a pegging scene frequently. (laughs) Or also, check off strap-on, which is my favorite. There you go. See? (laughs) So so it is a pre-order bonus. It is the length of a chapter. I had a lot of fun writing it. And so it is there. The peg that was promised is, <laughs> <laughs> is available. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a surprise to all of us, frankly. But I mean, I wasn't unwilling. I have no yeah. issues with that. So I I mean, I was happy to write the scene once I realized that people wanted that scene. Um, I just had to figure out a way to make it available because it didn't fit within the actual book. Just as far as writing thank you for indulging me in that answer I'm just like I have (laughs) to ask about this because (laughs) just as someone you know who read spoiler alert and is involved in romance landia and like watching people's reactions to the whole thing is just hilarious to me in a in a great way because I could see how you're like, this is just some throwaway comment I make in the first book. No one's going to pick up on it or like do anything with it. And then all of a sudden it becomes a thing. <laughs> I was, I did not anticipate it. I, it was not unwelcome to me, but I did not anticipate it. My only thing is that like, I try to stay away from Goodreads for the most part. Cause it's not a, it's not for me. It is for yeah. readers. Um, and also it's very hard <laughs> It's, it can be a harsh environment for an author, right? If you're someone who doesn't have thick skin, it can be hard to be on Goodreads if you're an author. Yeah. But I wanted these Goodreads readers to know that there is a pegging scene out there that they can have because that's where the loudest calls for pegging are <laughs> on Goodreads page. So I was like, how do, if these people don't follow me on Twitter or are not on my newsletter, subscriber list, how do they find out? So it's the first and possibly only time I've written a review of my own book. I didn't rate it, but I basically wrote, look, if you want the pegging scene, here's how to do it. And I just have to hope that enough people like it that it'll put it to the top 
of the reviews so that people know because I'm like, if you want pegging, like I've got pegging for you. This is how you get it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um olivia thank you so much for coming on i just have one question left which is what do you hope readers take away from reading all the feels i think i think what was important to me i think a lot about lauren i alex is certainly the more colorful of the two but i my heart also belongs to lauren because Lauren is someone who has tried to make herself, maybe not consciously tried, but sometimes. Lauren is someone who has made herself small in the world for the comfort of others. And and I think that that's true for a lot of people, especially a lot of women and other marginalized groups. But in this case, you know, speaking specifically about fat women, in fat girls, I think um, sometimes that, you know, we're encouraged to sort of, or at least we may feel that we will incur less damage if we try to sort of take up less space, be in the margins, not be as visible, that somehow that offers safety. Um, And I sort of used as a a bit of a metaphor for Lauren that when she's on a plane, the seats hurt her because Mm. they're too small for her. And she tries to make herself small so as not to sort of spill over to the seats next to her. So like, you know, putting her arms sort of right in the front of her and she basically just tries to make herself as small as possible. And first of all, it doesn't help at a certain point. It's, she's just, it's, she's too big for that. It's not going to work. She's still going to get abuse for it, potentially. And there's the effort of making yourself smaller is painful in itself. In the end, it doesn't save you. The pain of like, there's no way that people are not going to notice that she's larger. And it hurts to try to make yourself small for hours at a time on the plane. And what Alex wants for her is to stop trying to make herself small because it's not saving her any pain. And it's also inflicting more pain on her in the attempt. And I basically want readers, if there are readers out there who have done their best to make themselves small for the comfort of others, and it's causing them pain, for them to sort of think hard about how much they value themselves and how much their comfort and happiness is worth to them and worth to the people who genuinely care about and love them and sort of think that through. I don't know if that, I explained that well, but I I just want to make people take up the space that they deserve in the world. Even if they have been told either in words, without words, that they do not deserve to take up space in the world. I want to make sure that they do. Um, and so that that's part of the joy of writing Lauren for me is watching her learn how to uh, be unafraid and unashamed of taking up space. You know, in, in this case, physical space, but also uh, emotional space and sort of knowing what she wants and being willing to 
to go after what she wants and demand it, what she deserves from the world. I think you explained that perfectly. So, well, thank you so much, Olivia. Thank you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Jill Grunenwald and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.